John chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 1 through 14 this morning, Lord willing. On this message I've titled, The Word, The Will, and The Way. John chapter 1, starting with verse 1. And here the Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might be might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word this morning. Lord, how precious it is that you've shown us the truth about the word the way, and the will. Lord, I pray this morning that you'll guide us, you'll lead us, direct our thoughts and mind. Lord, give us power, wisdom, and boldness to preach your word. And may you receive any glory today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As you well know, the Gospel of John is, is different than the other three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Those are referred to as what we call the synoptic Gospels, which in a nutshell means the same. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke kind of tell the same story, and they tell about the, the works of Jesus, the things he did while here on this earth, and the salvation of the Jews. That's what those synoptic Gospels uh, really are centered upon. And uh, they're written mainly for the Jew, so that they may know who the Messiah is. They missed it, but it was written for that purpose. Now the Gospel of John is different. Uh, John doesn't dwell on so much as all the things that Jesus did, but he dwells on who Jesus is, uh, the glory of Jesus. In fact, him starting out here is so different than the rest of the Gospels, telling us exactly where Jesus came from, who he is. And according to John's Gospel, Jesus is God. Jesus is the Word, and the Word is God. He's with God, the Word was God, he said. And so these folks that want to tell you that that Jesus is not God in the flesh or God incarnate or that he's separated from God. That's not true. Jesus is the very God of heaven. He's just God in physical form. The incarnate Christ is what he is. He is the express image of God, the Bible tells us, the express image of the Father. And so as we look at this this morning, we want to look at those three things about the word, the will, and the way. All three of those things are very important for us to understand. And so John begins with that familiar verse in verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So right away we're told something that no other gospel writer has told us thus far. And that this word right here, Word, none of the other gospels refer to Jesus as the Word. 
but this comes from a Greek word of logos. You've probably heard that word all your life, logos. There's even software, logos, Bible software. Uh, too expensive for me to buy, but uh, it's out there. Uh, but it, it, what that word means is the very personification of God. Like we just said, it's the express image of God. It is the very God robed in flesh. God took on the form of a man so that he could identify with man to introduce himself to man. And so the who here that it's describing, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, the Word was God. So who is this? The Word is Jesus. Verse 2, he says, the same was in the beginning with God. Now, I probably mentioned this a dozen times uh, over a year alone, but listen, Jesus has always been. As Pastor Sexton often said back in my seminary, seminary days, Jesus is always previous. He's always previous, always before. Jesus has always been. He's always out there. He's always come before everything else. He was there in the beginning with God. And the same with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is also not something separate from God. Yes, it's the triune Godhead. So the Holy Spirit is the very spirit or essence of God. And the Word, of course, is, is Jesus, God robed in flesh. And, of course, there's God, which we refer to as the Heavenly Father, God, the Almighty, the same. All three of these are present in, in the previous, in the beginning, before the beginning. They've always been. And so you can't separate the three of them. Now, verse 3, John says, All things were made by him. Who? Who's him? The Word. The Word was with God. And in the beginning he was with God, and the Word was God. And all things were made by him. Him, Jesus. And without him was not anything made that was made. That's what John says. So long before Jesus was ever born as a little baby in Bethlehem, we all know the story, and many people believe that's where he started. No, that's not where he started. He started in the beginning. So Jesus was and is the creator of all things, and he made all things, by the way, he created all things for himself. That's what the Bible tells us. He didn't create it for something else or somebody else or for a scientific experiment or, or just to uh, have someone to mess with. No, he created man for himself. All things that were created. This, this earth, the heavens, the stars, the moon, everything that was created by the creator was created for himself. And we talk about, you know, we own the earth, we belong to the earth, earth, earth this, and protect the earth. Oh, forget that. The Lord created the earth for himself. And if he wants to destroy it, and by the way, he's going to, this, this earth is going to be destroyed one day because that's what he intends to do. And so quit being so worried about the earth. It's going to, it's going to be gone one day, wiped away, and there'll be new heavens and new earth, which the Lord will put in place. But he did create all things for himself. That's why the apostle Paul, he wrote this over in Colossians chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. He said, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things and by him all things consist. So Paul understood that as well. It was no secret that Jesus has always been. That's what he said. He, he's, he's before all things. And he created all things and he did it for himself. So you were not some accident. None of us were accidents, you know. 
Some some people say that God messed up when he made me. You know? No, he didn't. He made everybody exactly the way he intended to make them. We were born into this world. He created us for himself, and he has a plan for each of us. Our job is to discover what that plan is, what God's will is for our life, and follow his will. So, verse 4, back in our text in John chapter 1, he continues to write, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. So it's only because of Jesus we have life. If it were not for Jesus, we would all drop dead right now. He contains life. Our life is in his hands. The Bible says that life comes from him. If you look over the book of Genesis, you'll see something very important. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7. And of course, Genesis being the, the beginning, you know, the book of beginnings, the first, first things. And the Bible starts speaking about all these things that God creates. In Genesis 2 and 7, it says, And the Lord, all capital letters there, God, formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Now, I want you to notice here the Bible says the Lord God formed man. So there again, we have the Lord, which is another word for Jehovah, uh, Jehovah, Yahweh, Jehovah as we say it in our, in our uh, usual language, in our English language. So the Bible connects in the very beginning Jehovah and God together. The Lord God formed man. But notice it wasn't just the Lord God involved in the creation of man. It also said he breathed life into man and man became a living soul. So this word breath that the Bible used right there, it says uh, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. That represents God's Holy Spirit. So we have all three persons of the triune Godhead involved in the creation of man. All of creation has all three involved in it. And so uh, that all capital letter Lord there, I mentioned it, L-O-R-D. This, again, indicates the word Jehovah or Jehovah, uh, as we say it, and it means the self-existing one is what the word means. It's the Jewish national name for God. It's translated that way over 6,000 times here in our King James Bible. Uh, the word Lord Jehovah of the Old Testament is the same as Jesus in the New Testament. So anytime you see Lord in all capital letters, you could put in place there Jesus. That's, that's what it's saying. So if you look back at our verse in Genesis, and Jesus, the Lord Jesus, and God formed man of the dust. That's essentially what it's saying. And so uh, if you aren't careful, you'll miss this. In that one verse, we see all three members of this triune Godhead in the creation of man. So we have Lord Jehovah, God the Father, and then he breathed breath, and that breath can be translated also as spirit, if you'd like, uh, uh, pneuma, uh, if you want. And so that's why Job, Job understood this. In Job 33 and 4, he writes, The Spirit of God hath made me, and the breath of the Almighty hath given me life. And so the connection there, the Holy Spirit and God and the breath and the breathing, it shows us that that is where we receive life. If God had never breathed into man, man would not have life. He'd still be dust of the, of the earth, uh, lifeless. Now, we go back to our text in John chapter 1 and look at verse 14. The Bible says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. 
And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, of course, John, the gospel writer, of course, beheld his glory in person. In fact, he was the one the Bible mentions standing at the foot of the cross when Jesus was crucified. It doesn't mention any of the other disciples there present. Now, they may have been, may not be mentioned, but it seems like from what we read in the Bible that most of the disciples scattered in fear and were hiding out. Of course, we had uh, uh, Peter that had denied Christ and was sitting out by the fire, and, and then he, he goes and he's, you know, he's regretting everything he ever did. And, but we see that John's standing there at the foot of the cross, and Jesus commits the care of his mother unto John. And John says, we beheld his glory. We were right there in his presence. We, you know. But not only is John, can John speak in a personal term of we beheld his glory, but the world, or man, beheld his glory. Because all man witnessed Christ when he became the incarnate Christ here on earth in flesh. And so here we find that word was with God, meaning Jesus was made flesh, in other words, God robed himself in flesh. Uh, when I think of that, I picture God the Father, and I know God is a spirit, no man's seen God at any time. Uh, but the Bible does give God attributes, and uh, physical attributes, like an arm and, and hands and, and feet and, and all these things. And so I always picture this being sitting on a throne, wearing a crown and holding a scepter, and stepping down off that and saying, no, this robe's got to go. This crown's gone. Here's my scepter. And then he grabs this robe and puts it around him and said, let's go. And so that's God robing himself in flesh. That's just my way of viewing it. Uh, I know that may seem silly to some, but God robed himself in flesh and became the incarnate Christ. And so we've already established the fact that the word created all things, including man, and he did it for himself. But why would he have to clothe himself in flesh and become a man and dwell among us? Why would God need to do that? Couldn't God do it some other way? And there, I mean, couldn't he just force us to know who he is and understand who? Well, sure he could. He could force anybody to do anything he wanted. That's not how God operates. And whether some people like it or not, God does operate on a free will basis. He gives us free will. Now, there'll be some out there wagging their heads and going on, no, no, you don't have a choice. Yeah, you, you do. According to the Bible, uh, men have the choice whether or not to receive him and believe in him. That's why I keep saying believe in the Lord. If you don't believe, you're not going to be saved. So it does require us to, to believe and receive him. He's not forcing us to. So look back at our opening text, and let's read verses 4 through 13 again. The Bible says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. Now, this John is not John the gospel writer he's speaking of. It's John the Baptist. He's talking about the forerunner of Christ, the man that God would send, who's actually a cousin of Jesus, and he was sent here to bear witness of that light, making him the forerunner of Christ. And he was predicted all the way in the Old Testament, he, one would come who would clear the way and make the way for the one that was coming, the king, and uh, make his path straight. And so it goes on to say, verse 7, the same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that, notice, all men, through him might believe. It didn't say all Jews. Now over 
Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it's going to save Jews. Don't go into the Gentiles. It says over in those Gospels. It says, go with the, the house of Israel. And, but here John says, it's to all men through him might believe. He was not that light, meaning John the Baptist was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light, meaning Jesus the Word. Verse 9, that was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received not. His own means his fellow Jews. He was born a Jew. He was born into the Jewish household. And he said, he came unto them, his own, and they didn't receive him either. You remember when Jesus went into his old synagogue where he was raised up, and uh, his family attended, and he went there, and, and they uh, rejected him as he got up and started uh, teaching from the, from the scrolls. And they wanted to uh, push him off a cliff and kill him in his own hometown, his own synagogue. And so they received him not. And it says in verse 12, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name which were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. So the, if you're born again, if you're born unto God, born, if you receive Jesus, then you are born again. And that means you're born unto God. You're not born again from the flesh. Not like Nicodemus, do I have to go back in my mother's womb and be born again? No, we're born again unto Christ, and it's by God. God does that. He enables that. And so the reason the Word became flesh, the reason God robed himself in flesh, is so that all men might believe. That's what it said in verse 7. All men through him might believe. Notice it says might believe. It didn't say so that all men must believe. It said might believe. And so not everyone is going to believe. Even though it's God's will that he did this, and it's his will, it's not his will that any should perish, Many will perish because they will not believe in him. They will not receive him. And so the word became flesh so that all men might be believed and saved. And uh, again, it doesn't say only the Jews can be saved. Uh, in fact, over in the, the Synoptic Gospels, over in Matthew, we see things like this. In Matthew 10, 5 through 7, it says, These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles. And into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You see, this is Jesus' own words here. He's, he told his disciples, he, listen, don't go unto the Gentiles. Go unto the, the house of Israel. That's who, who I'm intending here. And Matthew 15, 22 through 24. We read this familiar story about this woman from Canaanite, from Canaan. Behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word, and his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. You see, this woman was not of the house of Israel. She came... Uh, trying to have have the Lord come and, and help her daughter. And uh, the Lord was trying to take a little mini vacation at the time. If you remember that story, he was there uh, taking a little time off, and she comes, and she's aggravating them all. The, the disciples get upset, and they say, Lord, send, send her away. And he says, I, I, you know, he tells her, I'm sent to the lost 
sheep of the house of Israel, and you're not one of them. Now, we know the story, though. He had mercy on her. He did heal her daughter. Over in the Gospel of Luke, Luke 2 and 25, the Bible says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. The consolation of Israel, what that means is when the Messiah comes to the Jews. That's what Simeon was waiting on. Remember, Simeon was the man there in, that, in, the, in the temple when uh, Joseph and Mary brought Jesus there uh, after the eight days, and they, they presented him to the Lord. And Simeon, the Bible says Simeon had been waiting on this. He knew who Jesus was. He'd been waiting for the consolation of Israel. Well, there he is. He walked in the door. And so he, he blesses the Lord there. Uh, but the Gospel of John emphasizes salvation to all men, not just the house of Israel, the lost sheep of Israel. And so the Word was made flesh and dwelled among us so that who could be saved? All. All. Not just the Calvinist. Not just the so-called Reformed. <laughs> so that all could be saved. Now, over in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, we see that Peter understood this concept. You know, Peter was, if you talk about uh, somebody that was a Jew all the way through and through, that was Peter. If you remember, uh, Peter was so staunch in his beliefs and those Jewish uh, beliefs and customs that when the Lord gave him that vision, standing on that, that rooftop of that house and that basket came down full of meat and he told Peter to eat of it. And Peter said, no way, no, that's unclean. I'm not doing that. And the Lord had to set him straight. But Peter was so caught up in Judaism, it was difficult for him. But listen to what he says, 2 Peter 3 and 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So Peter, well, he's come a long ways. <laughs> Uh, you know, there we read in, in the Gospel of Matthew, he's saying, Lord, send her away. <laughs> you know, send this woman away. She's about, and here, in, in when he's writing, much older man, been through a lot of things, already denied Christ, been forgiven for, his, for it, and he's writing this, and he says, look, the Lord's not willing that any should perish. Even that woman that came and aggravated us, he wanted her not to perish. And so he's not willing, the Bible says, that any should perish. So it's not God's will that anybody and again, when that word, you see that word perish, it, it typically means death unto hell is what that means. If you perish, you're going to hell. You will not perish going to heaven. So in the New Testament, you will not find that all capitalized L-O-R-D like it is in the, in the Old Testament. Here in Second Peter, the word Lord is translated from another word, kurios, which actually is another title for the Messiah or Jesus. And so Peter says, the kurios is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He didn't say so that all Jews would come to repentance. So the word came and dwelt among us so that all men might believe because it's not his will that any should perish. So what do we, what do we have so far? We know what the will is. We went in detail what, who the word is. But what about the way? So, that, that where it says it's not his will that any should perish, many are going to perish, even though it is his will, because they won't receive him. And 
it's interesting how the Bible talks about receiving Christ. Receiving Christ. We read that in our opening text. In verse 11, he came in his own, his own received him not. And a lot of times when we're talking about somebody getting saved, we'll say, you need to receive Christ as your Savior. Well, what that simply mean, means is believing on him. You must believe on him as your Savior and receive him. And the Bible refers to Jesus as the gift or the free gift or the gift of God. If somebody's going to give you a free gift, they come to you and they say, here, I have this free gift for you. And they push it towards you and you put your hands back here and say, no, I'm not receiving that free gift. I know it's your will that I take it. You got it for me. You spent everything for me on that gift and you're trying to give it to me, but I refuse to receive it because I don't believe that's for me. That's the same thing people are doing with Christ today. You see, he has the free gift. He died for you on the cross. He shed every drop of his blood just so you could be saved. He says, here is your free gift. This is the gift from God who is me, the Lord Jesus. I died for you. Take me. Believe on me and you can be saved. And, and people say, nope, not doing it. I'm not receiving Christ. You must receive Christ in order to be saved. That's very clear. So we have the word and the will and lastly, the way. Now, Jesus, I love this, this uh, chapter in the Bible, John chapter 14. When Jesus, after he'd had that uh, last supper there with the disciples and they went out and he was explaining to them he was going to go away, you know, and uh, he was going to go prepare a place for them in heaven and everything else and where his father's house and many mansions and all that. And, and Thomas looks and he said, but Lord, what, what are you talking about? The way, how do we know the way? And he says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. <laughs> what does he say? If I've been around you so long, you still don't know what I'm talking about. I'm the way. You know the way. I am him. I am the way. And so look, Jesus is the exclusive and only way to heaven and to the Father. He's the only way. Listen to what the Bible says. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. For he hath made him, who made him? God, made him to be sin for us. When God sent Jesus here, God became a man, rode himself in flesh, became Jesus. He died on the cross. He made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, the Bible says. Jesus never sinned. The only man that ever exists on the face of the earth who never sinned. He didn't sin, but God made him sin for us because we do sin. And so to pay the penalty for that, Jesus had to experience our sin upon himself to save us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You're not made righteous unto yourself. You've got to be made righteous through Christ because God made him sin for you. So he's the propitiation, the Bible says. He is the one uh, that connects us with God. Without Christ, we are not connected with God. We have nothing to do with him. We're enemies, in fact, of God without Christ. Romans chapter 3, verses 22 through 26 says this, Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, notice that again, righteousness. what is righteousness? That means that you've been made justified before God, and the Bible says the only way you've been made that way is because of your faith in Jesus Christ. 
you did it through him. Unto all and upon all them that believe. So if you believed him, you received him. If you believe in him as your Savior, you receive him. It says, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. You can't be redeemed any other way besides Christ Jesus. I don't care how much money you have. Uh, Bill Gates and um, what's his name? Bezos and, and that guy that uh, owns Facebook, <laughs> Mark Zuckerberg. But these guys, they don't have enough money to buy redemption. No one does. The only one who could pay to buy redemption was Jesus Christ. And the only payment was his blood. And so you cannot get any, be justified. You cannot be redeemed any other way except through Jesus Christ. Verse 25, Romans 3, 25. Whom God has set forth to be, there's that word, propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God to declare, I'll say at this time, his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. So it's not us that that are that's able to be justified through anything we've done. It's not our righteousness. Bob says it's filthy rags. And so the only way you can become righteous and declared justified before God is through Jesus Christ. He is the justifier of him which believeth. John chapter 3, verse 35. The Father loveth the Son and has given all things into his hand. He that, here it is, that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he, he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. It cannot be any clearer. You're not going to get to heaven. You're not going to ever see God without Jesus Christ being your Savior. Unless you believe and receive him, you'll not make it. Matthew 7 Verses 13 and 14, Jesus says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth, leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. What is, what's he talking about the narrow way? Him. He's talking about himself. Because what did he tell the disciples and, and Thomas there? He says, I am the way. And this way is straight and it's narrow. You can't get there on the broad road. That leads to destruction. That path that, that leads to destruction, you can't get there from there. You've got to go through this straight and this narrow gate, and it's through me. I am the door, he says. I am the door. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Oh, I believe there's other ways to hell them. Nope. Some of these nut jobs out there think they can get in tune with nature and hug a tree and get to heaven. No, you're not. You're going to go straight to hell on that tree. Some of the biggest names out there in the world that get on television and, and try to mislead people, you've got these, these nuts out there telling you that, oh, there must be some other way. It can't just be through Jesus Christ. That's so narrow-minded. That's right, it is. Jesus is very narrow-minded. Because he said so, he said, it is narrow is the way. 
And who's the way? Him. So the world will try to make you believe there's many ways to heaven. The world is a liar. The world is, is uh, evil and rotten and sinful, carnal. The world doesn't care about you. And so they'll try to convince you, you don't need to believe in that Jesus. Oh, yeah, he was a good teacher. And, you know, I, I think he existed, you know, and a lot of people fought him and said, but no, 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 you, you can get to heaven different ways than that. Let's don't be fooled into thinking there's some other way. There is no other way. The only way is through the Lord Jesus. Salvation's not through, by the way, Buddha. It's not through Muhammad. It's not through Allah. It's not through the Catholic Pope. It's not through the Mormons. It's not through the Watchtower Society. It's not through any of your works. It's only through Jesus. And these religions that, that worship all this, Allah, by the way, is not our God. Don't be confused with that. Some people say, well, we, we worship the same. No, you don't worship the same God as those nuts. No, you don't. And so what do we have? We have the Word, which is God robed in flesh, the incarnate Christ, who's always been. We have the will. What is the will? That all men should believe in Christ and receive him and be saved. What is the way? The straight way through the straight gate is the Lord Jesus. He's the exclusive, only way, narrow way unto God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for the truths of your word. Lord, we know there is absolutely no other way for a man to be saved. God, the only way to be saved is to believe in the finished work of Christ on the cross Lord, to believe in him and receive him is our Savior, the free gift for our salvation. Lord, so that we could be made righteous through him. Lord, we know it's his righteousness that saves us and justifies us before you. Lord, any man that has not received Christ will not be saved. We know that. You've said it in your word. God, we're praying for that one today. Lord, those many, we know that many will perish. Lord, but we know it's your will that they would all come to repentance and receive Christ as Savior. May you convict their hearts, God. May someone listening to this message at this very moment, if they're lost, God, may you convict their heart to show them the need to believe in Jesus to save them. Lord, because if they don't, they will die and they will go to hell where they will suffer in agony for eternity. Lord, help us be able to reach them. Lord, help us. Lord, help us here at Porchlight Baptist Church, Lord, to always be in your will and going your way. And we'll give you the praise and honor and glory for it all. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. And amen.